Hello and welcome to Eureka Nerd. I am Will Davis, a big fan of space. And I'm Leah Richards, channeling that one ten-year-old who's just super into sharks. These two things are true of us most of the time, but today especially because we've got a very special episode for you. We're going to do a quick story about sharks, a quick story about space, and then we are going to do a long segment about stand-up comedy, which is me doing some stand-up comedy, so we've bleeped all the swears out of that. And there are quite a few, so prepare yourself. But before the beep, we get to The Bite, with some news about sharks. Now, sharks are a favourite subject of ours. We discussed them in episode 35 with shark specialist Melissa Cristina Marquez. So if you want more shark facts, you can go back and listen to that. But for right now, we have the newest shark fact that we know. Oh, didn't even have to go to Australia to get it. Thanks again for phoning in, Melissa. We only had to go to Swansea. Which is actually just around the corner from us, but this delightful research, led by Swansea University's Dr. Catalina Pimiento, covers why some sharks are real big. And this was a question that you had coming out of episode 34, why do some sharks get as big as they do? Well, my question was actually, why do some sharks only get as big as they do? They're talking about the two biggest sharks you can think of, the whale shark, still extant, filter feeder about 18 metres long, and the megalodon, subject of a film last year with dodgy science, but also Jason Statham, which some people are into, which was an active predator also about 18 metres long. And if you haven't heard our episode with Melissa, episode 35, please go back and about halfway in we get her reaction to the Meg when it was really close to release, and oh, that's a little a joyous moment of audio suffering. <laughs> researchers have established there are two ways for a shark to get that big and they are either filter feed so that you don't have to expend lots of energy on finding food or be able to control at least some of your own body temperature so a megalodon has got some talents that you don't i am a cold cold man much of the time so that temperature regulation there they mentioned something in this press release called mesothermic a mesothermic adaptation allows sharks to live in different habitats, including cold waters, and hunt more effectively by, like you say, warming up different parts of them and kind of balancing out to the temperature that is around them, so they can keep the core temperature going whilst moving through cold waters, or chill out when they're in the warm waters near the surface, and that gives them a much greater effective range. And also allows them to be very active in environments where their prey might have, you know, slowed down a little bit. Whereas filter feeding involves just kind of swimming around going, ah. and waiting for the food to happen. Which, yeah, I can appreciate the hustle there. There is a caution, though, at the end of this paper that, while filter feeders have shown more resilience, because, I mean, whale sharks are still alive, megalodons are not, they are at risk of eating large volumes of toxic microplastics that can now be found in the world's oceans, thus threatening their extinction. So thanks for really bringing the mood down, Pimiento. This still doesn't quite answer my question of why they don't get bigger. You know, since the biggest whales are so much bigger than these biggest sharks, we're still not quite sure what the limiting factor is. Someone suggested it might be that their hearts aren't efficient enough, which would make sense, if true, but... I think what we need to do is get a shark scientist and a whale scientist and sit them down, whichever of them is also the bigger, can do most of the talking. Oh, see, now I want to just find out if the average size of scientists studying a particular animal, like, has any correlation? 
do small humans like studying small animals? Do big humans like studying big animals? This wouldn't work for physicists. I feel like it would. But then how big does it get? Because if you're studying quantum nanophysics... Well, that's the thing. You have the very shortest people doing your quantum nano things. You have your very tallest people doing cosmic scale. And everything that's on a human scale is the average people's domain. I think it's the University of Leicester who fund a lot of the weirder science that we've reported on, like that whole Yoda football thing. We should take this up with them. <laughs> I want to start with the animals, though. I feel like that's got more... Um, Direct more, comparison. Well, I was going to say more headline strength. If you are a biologist working with elephants, blue whales, or... I suppose flies, lots of scientists work with flies, they're very small. Then tell us about your physical proportions. That sounded weird. Let us know how you think this might bear out at EurekaNerdcast at gmail.com. Speaking of cosmic bodies, some fun, fun news here from Columbia University's Mailman School of Public Health, who find that three key determining factors in a youthful sexual encounter are alcohol, space, and time. Which just sounds like a drunk bender at the latest Doctor Who convention, if we're being entirely honest. No, unfortunately, they have not been looking at kids hooking up in the TARDIS. We've only canonically seen that happen the once, and it turned into a river song, so... Yeah, that got very, very weird. Anyway... Anyway, the less fictional science from the Columbia Mailman School of Public Health and Wuhimbili University of Health and Allied Sciences in Tanzania Quote, sheds light on the factors that influence young people's access to and use of alcohol and subsequent engagement in safe or unsafe sexual behaviours. And wouldn't you know, alcohol use intersects in a spatial dimension in relation to where youths are subsequently engaging in sex, which in turn influences the likelihood of using condoms and practising safer sex. Frequently described spaces for sex after alcohol included guest houses and rented rooms which both seem to be more likely to be used when there was some advanced planning involved in the, well, I'm drinking with this girl I like tonight, maybe we'll hook up. And in those situations, the teens surveyed were far more likely to use condoms. Great, good stuff. However, if they don't have the cash to hire a room, if one of them has got a curfew that means they have to be home by a certain hour, then they're much more likely to get it on in a public toilet where they can't get hold of condoms. Well, it's described in the paper as, unfortunately termed, rushed sex. You don't want to rush sex. You're just likely to end up tripping over things. <laughs> Stubbing your toe. Or other things. <laughs> now, there is some cultural background here for the contextualised use of alcohol in Tanzania with, quote, as in many sub-Saharan African countries, has been understudied despite data indicating heavy episodic drinking, 21% males, 14% females among Tanzanians. But it doesn't take much of a stretch of the imagination to see how this would bear outwards in a non-sub-Saharan African context that you get teens and alcohol and a place to be, eventually someone's going to try and get it on. It follows logically that use of intoxicants, having a space to do it, are going to affect people's behaviours in those situations. And really, there's no bigger takeaway here than the kids will find the opportunity to have sex with each other. 
Let me just look at the success rates of abstinence-only sex ed in America, which are bad. They are not successful, broadly no. speaking. So having access to condoms, a safe space, and ideally the time to give it its due attention, is going to be the best forward steps for looking after kids' sexual health in Tanzania and probably other places too. Although I will admit, when I saw this headline, I just remember the people who would make out during the planetarium sessions I was running. I had you to myself in one of those planetarium shows once, and we didn't even snog once. But enough about space and time and sharks, it is time for me! Oh, yes, listeners. What a wonderful treat. Fifteen minutes of your very own host shouting about science headlines. Kind of doing that, yeah. Hmm. Ah, hmm. Wherever did I get that idea? Where indeed. So I'll say the usual stuff now. If you want to stick around for the funny stuff, then do. If you'd like to tell us what you think about sharks or space, then you can do that at Eureka Nerdcast on Twitter or Eureka Nerdcast at gmail.com. That's Eureka Nerdcast at gmail.com. If you'd like to give us money so that we can pursue sharks and or space. Or even just to show your appreciation and help us defray the costs of hosting and stuff. I mean, yeah, yeah that too. But mostly the sharks and space guys hook me up. Then you can send that to ko-fi.com forward slash Eureka Nerd. But until next time, Here's more of this, but louder and with cider. So our next act is one of the other people who's a major contributor to making this event happen. Um, He puts together not one, but two local podcasts. Well, they're not local, they're global, but they start here, right? Um, And uh, they contain all sorts of science news and fun things. He's also been a stalwart supporter of this since the beginning. Please welcome Will Davies and his beard! I'll leave it to you to decide which one is which. Hello, my name is Will Davis, and as mentioned, I am a man. I live in Bristol. I am 20-something. I have a beard, so of course I have a podcast. (laughs) The first of those would be the Eureka Nerd podcast. It's based on the Eureka Alert news service because there's a lot of news that comes out. It's been, what, 20-something days into 2019, and I'm already just eager to burrow into 2020 and forget that this entire decade ever happened. But the problem with all the news that comes out is there is too much to pay attention to. That's kind of what this whole podcast thing is about. I have to sit down and look at news all day, every day, because I am not a scientist. I used to be, but I got better. I am a science journalist, because you see, science is dumb. Mm, yeah. I'm not hearing any boos. I'm hearing lots of people go, yeah. Because science is actually just the dumbest kind. It happens to be the rightest thing, but that doesn't make it any less dumb. <laughs> Unfortunately, science reporting is dumber. And I'd say this as a professional science before, I do this for fun as well in my spare time. <laughs> but science reporting is dumb, and now you can be too. Yeah. Because I have a game for you to play, much like everyone else, except my game comes with... Rewards. They come in the gelatin-rich and the gluten-wheat milk and egg-free version. If there's anything you can... I don't know what these are made of. (laughs) But whatever they are made of is probably going to be fine. So what I want from everyone is to join in with me doing my dumb, dumb jobs and hobbies. Because what I have to do when I sit down and look at these horrible, dumb, demented news stories is try and figure out which is right, which is wrong, which is good, which is just playing it for laughs. 
I've got some examples to kind of warm you up with. I want you all to shout out any ideas you have to fill in the blanks of blank is an effective treatment for obstructive sleep apnea and snoring. Any ideas what could be introduced into someone's life to cure their sleep apnea, their snoring? Any yeah. ideas? Air, air is very good. You kind of need that. That's very effective. Death. <laughs> A very short-term fix, for sure. Uh, death, was there something over here? Being awake, I'll probably stop you from snoring, but I do know some people who just kind of with other, every other breath will go. So yeah, I was down the pub. It's like, you are not well. But no, unfortunately, no one got to the same idea that scientists came up with, which was playing the didgeridoo. <laughs> now, this is not just your average garden range science. This is prize-winning science. This won the 2017 Ig Nobel Peace Prize. I guess the wives of wives, husbands, respective partners of the scientists who had their sleep apnea cured by going oi, 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 were quite appreciative of the work that had gone into it. Let's try this again, another one. Nearly all mammals empty their bladders in about blank. So any numbers, any guesses, if you could put a figure to how long it might take you, anything between you, a shrew, and a giraffe to empty your bladders. 13 seconds. 13 seconds. Ooh, showing off. 23 seconds down there. Night, ooh. Sir, are you well? Because <laughs> if, that, if that comes with the same kind of like snoring sound, then you should probably leave here immediately and stop consuming so much fluids. No, uh, well, you had, we had 13, we had 20-something. You're kind of both right. It's about 21 seconds, plus or minus. <laughs> so let's count out uh, 21 seconds. One, two, three. This is going to sound great on the recording, trust me. Okay, so that's been eight seconds. <laughs> We're up to 21 seconds now. <laughs> I can't think of any time in which I've not been done within at least this much time. We've still got another six, seven, 11, 12. But that's how long it could take between eight seconds and what, 34 seconds to entirely empty your bladder. This won the physics prize, not the biology prize, not the health prize, not even the fluid dynamics prize, which they probably, the physics prize. So with these prize winning science ideas rattling around in your brain, I want to know, are you ready to join in? These aren't going to be prize-winning ideas that I pitch you now. This is going to be news that I've collated from the Eureka Alert website over the last three weeks. These are all stories that have come out within the month of January 2019. And by God, there's a lot of bullshit out there. So are you ready to join me in this dumb, dumb pursuit? Yes? We're going to start off with the simple stuff, the politics section. So if anyone can tell me, majority of millennials do not like blank. I did. Avocados on toast, anything. Trump, I think the people down here on the left team have it. A majority of millennials do not like Trump. And that's just science. Let's try this then. The studying finds a link between what and bullying in middle schools. He's right, points to that man. You get a gluten-free something, here you are. Hi. 
I'm throwing them into the dark, so anything after that is not my fault. Okay, let's move on. This is an American story, so it does come with the American spelling. I'm not going to apologize for that. It's their problem. What can be used by... Oh, what is used to highlight the police tactics of frightening people of color? <laughs> police highlight the police... Yeah. Now, uh, oddly self-aware for the American police. Um, you're close, actually. It's Jay-Z. Jay-Z and the music of Jay-Z highlight the, quote, cop voice with the title of doing 55 and a 54. How about this and a little bit of local news? Who or what or something that could fit into this kind of noun space predicted Brexit before financial traders? Thoughts? Okay. <laughs> I, I, me? I wish you were wronger about the psychic octopus, but it's actually gamblers. The same people who would take betting advice from a psychic octopus, but also look at the state of English politics and go, yeah, I could turn a profit on that. Faster than the people whose entire jobs is turning profit on that. Related, what is bad for economic growth? <laughs> Economics is just fan fiction for white men. Um, Uh, this might actually boggle the mind. Debt. Debt is bad. <laughs> Who would have ever thought that having negative or no amounts of money is bad for your money? <laughs> I'm glad that scientists could figure this one out. These are the same kind of caliber of people that we want to cure our ills. Okay, let's move on to the health section. New AI can detect blank. <laughs> humans can't detect Trump. He just moses up lies and then off people go, what was that about? I don't know, I just feel like calling people racial slurs. What could that be? <laughs> what can be detected by AI? Smurfs. Cancer. I mean, there's lots of people working on being very smart with AI to detect cancer. This one is a bit more intimate. Urinary tract infections detected by AI. <laughs> Open wide. I did actually have to Photoshop out the Gatling gun, but I mean, that's, it's implied. Uh, how about then the human element surgeons under stress make blank? <laughs> make a mon That wasn't a surgeon under stress who made Frankenstein's monster. That was a surgeon who hadn't even finished his undergrad. He's not a doctor. He's just an idiot with a knife. We send them to jail now. No, this is surgeons make more mistakes. Don't stress the people who are gonna go digging around inside of you and trying to figure out what should stay, what should go, what is gonna look nice on Etsy when they're done with it later. <laughs> Don't put these people under more, how do you, at what point in the operating theater, in the admin offices even of the hospital, do you look at the people, again, elbow deep in Mrs. McGregor or something, go, I don't think he's doing well. <laughs> Seems incredibly stressed. Give him more sedatives and sharp objects. This one's a bit more science, science. Messenger RNA is a thing that your DNA kind of communicates the rest of your body with how to turn bits of DNA into proteins, into hair, into fingernails, into eyeballs, into kneecaps, anything. Engineers create blank messenger RNA. Gecko, alien, there's, I mean, there is, the, there are fragments of mRNA recovered from asteroids that do not exist within any Earth-bound biological body, and that's the raddest <laughs> I know. But no, it is not alien. This is 
inhalable form of messenger RNA. Next time you're walking along someone who's vaping on the street corner, who's blowing those dank cotton clouds, be like, is it Starburst? Blackberry? Oh, shin. Increased blank associated with higher death rate. What do you think is going to kill you? Thoughts? <laughs> Age, Trump, increased Trump exposure, possibly. Uh, any other days? We've got some from the left. Any from the alt-left? <laughs> Tell me about it. Thoughts? It is? <laughs> you can take that up with all it. No, this is the amount of opioid marketing towards doctors. It turns out that trying to sell doctors vast amounts of potentially lethal chemicals will somehow increase the amount of lethal chemicals being administered by doctors. <laughs> we just can't, and, you know, can't draw conclusions from this kind of report until we've seen all of the evidence, but how about this one then? Air pollution makes people I like the snoring one, the trombone is, it's up, but the idea that you can see people walking around the bear pit with didgeridoos trying to off-put that kind of, I mean, you do see people walking around the bear pit with didgeridoos. This has fallen apart in my hands. No, it makes people sad. Aww. You wanna know how they figure this out? It turns out that having a all-seeing eye of social media within the Chinese internet means that you can see just how people are feeling on any given day and then draw that along to the smog pollution in Beijing and think, huh, when there's lots and lots of air pollution, people say they don't feel well on our social media. We should probably do something about that. What should we do? I'm not going to finish that sentence because it's minefield. I'm going to move on to society instead. It's much safer. Ancient Japanese pottery contains 500 blank ideas. I'm aware that I haven't administered any chocolates, but that was a very long answer, so you can have that one. I think I just hit someone in the tooth. Oh no, there's something sticky on the floor of a pub. Whatever could it be? Maze weevil, a single Japanese pot that's like a thousand years old contains the entire carapaces of over 500 weevils. Not even like in the pot, but embedded into the clay of the pot and the lid. And they did this like, they just put all the pieces together like some kind of buggy jigsaw. And I was like, oh yeah, there's 500 of those. We should probably tell people about that. What do you think might make Young people turn into smarter grown-ups. No one say Trump because that is factually false. Video games? Two? Is that? Classical music? Someone? Snup. <laughs> smart young people make smart grown-ups. I don't want to Whatever could that mean? One in ten adults in the US. Blank. <laughs> I can count all the way to Tennessee. No. So you got count. One in ten adults Trump, but one in five think they do. What, like they disagree with his policies, but they just like his hats? <laughs> Snore? One in five? No, one in ten adults has a food allergy, but twice as many claim they have a food allergy. 
So next time that you hear someone in the Better Food Company saying, oh, well, you know, my gluten sensitivity, I just can't have any uh, gluten, wheat, milk, or eggs. So, uh, I mean, whoever this could go to, you can have that and rest safe in the knowledge that even if you don't have a food allergy, that one's still going to be fine. It's probably tasty. I got it from Tesco. You can't go wrong with Tesco. You can definitely go wrong with Tesco. Moving on, we've got a few more just left for you, the nature section. What do you think might affect soil moisture? Mr. P what could Mr. Blobby possibly do to... So I want to know more about... What? 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 Who is that? All the way back there, I'm not doing that, actually. No, that's all about. What could ever affect soil moisture? I wonder. Lack of rain, you're very close down the front. Fire! I'll summarize this paper that was published in journals, written by professional people who got paid money to do this. Fire bad. <laughs> A different end of things then. Climate change intensifies war. Casualties, full stop. Efforts. War of the birds. <laughs> so just imagine, if you will, climate change continues apace as it has. It's getting worse. It's been getting worse for a while and no one's done anything to stop it. And ne next thing you know, we don't stand a chance. I've seen dynasties. I know what these guys can live through. I'm cold going out of here today. Let's branch things out a little bit of space then for you. We've done lots of earth sciences. How about some space sciences? The rings of Saturn are? Small, big, awesome. Circular. Shrinking. You're very close up at the back there. They are dying. At quote, the worst case scenario. We need John Cusack to get on a rocket or something and go and save Saturn. They've only got a hundred million more years to live. No! So young. One last one for you then. Scientists can turn blank into new energy. Well, just set him on fire. Yeah, I'll do the trick. They got Unusable energy, you're not wrong. Down at the front, they can turn carbon emissions into energy. That is the second raddest I have ever heard of. You, sir, get a chocolate. I apologize for whoever just got that chocolate. But this is the kind of stuff I do for fun and money. You can hear me doing that, sometimes with less sharing, but not always, at the Eureka Nerd podcast, at EurekaNerd.com. You can find me at Eureka Nerdcast on Twitter. I apologize for what scientists are doing, but we just can't stop them. <laughs> Speaking of, that's all for me. Good night.